Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. No, 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 no. Premature. No, 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 but no, last, no, no. it is Europa League this week. It so. is, it is. Listen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Same as it ever was, Musa. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. Yeah. 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 All we can do is the best we can do. Exactly. Or something. Uh, a good weekend? It was a mixed weekend, but the good stuff was amazing. And the best thing I did, okay, so I went to see an amateur football game. Mm. I saw this. Yeah, so was my, it SFC? My, yeah, yeah. So my team, you know, we were part of the same club. So my team couldn't play, the team I'm now retired from, because loads of COVID cases, the opposition. So we went to watch one of the other clubs that play for our club, one of the other teams play for our club. And this game was amazing. The flare, some of, I've never seen this. The opposition team released a green flare prior to the game. And it looked amazing. I got a great photo of it. And then they were like, so the final score was 4-2 to SFC, to our team. Um, three red cards, one of which red card gets given down by the touchline. <laughs> and then there's a huge, it all kicks off. It all kicks off. Classic thing. And the two ones in the middle don't really want a physical altercation, but it's almost like we've started it, we should finish. So it all kicks off on touchline. Ref brings out the red and then opposition team, our team, beg for it to be rescinded. So it gets rescinded and he stays on. And then wow. two of his teammates then get sent off in the next five minutes. So they finish up with nine men. The game was incredible. Wow. Let's do some admin quick. Well, first of all, we hope everyone is staying safe and well, wherever you are in the world. As we mentioned at the top of every show, we know that there's a hell of a lot going on at the moment and it is a lot. And we are obviously in a pretty lucky position where we are and we know that a lot of other people are not. Mm. So we just hope everyone is doing okay. And there is a pandemic going on. Mm. So we hope everyone's staying safe and well on that front. Other admin, I will be on the Ringer F1 pod. Exciting. The new Ringer F1 pod. If you like your Formula One stuff, search for Ringer F1. I believe wherever you get your podcasts, it's definitely on Spotify. It's definitely on Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, I'll be chatting to Kevin Clark, the great Kevin Clark. Such a great writer. About episodes five to eight of Drive to Survive season four. And also maybe a couple of other bits ahead of the new F1 season. Hopefully I'll be doing a bit more F1 stuff for the Ringer this season. There'll be a piece going up on the ringer.com this week. Also, we've got some pieces going up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Champions League is back this week again. I say it's back. It's being back. The, the final games from the round of 16 are this week. So Thursday's episode of Stadio will be wrapping those up. Well, Stadio newsletter will go out this coming weekend. Mm. So if you want to sign up for that, go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. We only use it to send you, send you emails. It doesn't get passed on to anyone. Mm. So today we're going to do a quick dart around Europe, just very, very quickly touch on some stuff that we caught this weekend. And then we're going to focus a little bit more on the Premier League. And then we will do some questions. Sounds great. Oh my God, Include... I just remembered. Most exciting oh, part of my what? weekend. Go on. I got some lino. I got my lino put in in the kitchen. Wow. Okay. I mean, that is... That <laughs> oh is, my uh, God, I can't that's, describe. That's, uh, that's uh, someone... We don't have a producer, a separate <laughs> producer, but there is a producer behind the camera being like, cut to the break, cut to the break. Cut to the break. <laughs> I cannot describe the excitement. Sorry. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A, 
S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I would like to start in Spain, if that's okay, where Barcelona Femini secured the Primera title with six games to go. Yes. Fully expected. Mm. It's been on the cards for a long, long time. They have played 24 matches. Goodness, yeah. They have won 24 matches. They have scored 136 goals. They've conceded six. They are 22 points clear at the top of the table. And they are champions once again in Spain. Dubbed as the Clasico, El Clasico this weekend after a 5-0 win over Real Madrid. But I mean, historically in that division, it's Barca and Atleti. Although in the cup game, with Real in the last cup game they played, that was interesting. There's something about the one-off nature. Well, the two-legged nature of these, it's interesting. They've sold out the camp now for the upcoming fixture of the Champions League. But in relation to the league, you know what's so fascinating actually, I was thinking about this. What's more impressive, I was thinking, is the goals for or the goals against. And I almost... The goals against. The goals against. Yeah, do you know why? Because it talks about, it's the intensity, isn't it? Yeah, it's the goals against. When you watch Barca Femeni, I've rarely seen a team that seems so committed to making a statement with each, each performance. Yep. Like a demonstration, like as in, we're not just going to defeat you. We're sending a message to all other teams that are going to try this. So you can sit deep and we'll break that down. You can come at us. We'll get in behind. We'll beat you on the front foot, on the back foot, any, any time, anyhow. And it's, any foot. Any foot, any foot. Thank you foot. And even, do you know what I love about them as well? I love the kind of, um, when they have big injuries, other players step in and do a variety of things. Like, you know, Freddie Rolfo is a good example of that. You can play a variety of positions, fills in, can play up front, can play centrally, can play wide, can play, you know, further back. It's just everyone. And like, look at Pateas as a good example, someone who can play an advanced position, but we saw her at the Emirates just playing as a six and just running it. Like it's, yeah. Complete midfielder. It's amazing. Amazing to see, yeah. Yeah, and I also think Jonathan Giraldes deserves a hell of a lot of credit because coming in to manage a side that's completed the treble for the first time in their existence yeah. is such a difficult job. I mean, that's, a lot of people will say, is it really that difficult? You take over the most, one of the most dominant sides, if not the most dominant side in Europe currently. Mm. However, I do think that it gives you such a tiny margin for error. And the fact that I think they've got better this year. Yes, he's improved. Thank and you. That's, Everyone's that's, coming and, for you. That's a very, very difficult type of management. I know we, we talk about this a lot in the men's game where, you know, people throw out just nonsense like, oh, but would Pep keep Watford up and all of this kind of stuff? And it's like, well, Pep doesn't need to really prove that to anyone because the type of management that it takes to dominate at the top of, the, of, a, of a division mm. or a competition is extremely different to the type of management that you need to keep aside in the league. Yeah. It's a different kind of management. And I think that they are, I don't think they're any less valid. I just think yeah. they're different. You know, also the it's answer like- is the answer is yes. Actually, <laughs> the answer is yes. Just in case, <laughs> fucking there he is. The answer is yes. Just yes. All right, does. there you yes, go. Yes, I'm trying does. to I'm trying to be kind and make a point about all. <laughs> I, I, I literally just did hashtag all managers matter. <laughs> no, they, move- <laughs> they, abs- they absolutely do. They absolutely do. And also, Pep keeps Watford up. He does. He does. Yeah, yeah. They t- but, but yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. He does. I mean, to be honest, Roy Hodgson is doing a really good job at, uh, I think, trying to keep them up. Oh, you know, definitely. They've been really definitely. good the past few definitely. games, apart from that Wolves game. They were good against Arsenal and they were good on the weekend. Can I just say this one thing about Southampton? I've never seen a team so determined to concede a goal as Southampton. I love you, Southampton, but that opening goal. Yeah, I texted Southampton <laughs> Rob about this, just saying what's going on when Watford went to no up and he just said, we can't deal with pe- teams you press us. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's anyway, go back yeah. on to Barcelona. Yes. There's a really interesting quote, from, I think it was from Pateas after the game, where she said, 
the coming months are important. Yeah, I mean, wow. The rest of the steps are, are, the, are the major They're goal. Absolutely locked in. You know, this is the thing about the improvement. I want to mention this as well. I mentioned this before, um, maybe a few months ago, but obviously they won that Champions League final. And it was, that was interpreted at the time as much more of Chelsea imploding as opposed to Barcelona imposing themselves, right? It was interpreted a different way. It was more in terms of Chelsea's failings and Barcelona's successes. There was more of that energy, I felt. They had that game, I think it was... Um, was that Arsenal went over there and Arsenal were like on a really good bit of form and went over to, to Barcelona. And the, the, first, yeah. the first half of football, I think it was like 30 odd attempts that Barcelona had. That is mm. the best, that's maybe, well, that's, that's one, yeah, that's, that's the best half of football I've perhaps seen this season, I would say, the best half of football and one of the best halves of football I've seen in a very long time. Mm. Just the way that they like, almost like this determination to prove like we're not, this wasn't a fluke. Like, you look at um, Oshorola, who's like their top scorer, I think. The clinical nature of her finishing, and we've said this before, if you compare to like just the Champions League final stage just like two years ago, where you weren't sure about how clinical she was, and now, and you look at someone like Bon Matty, Bon Matty, like, again, just a disrespected player in terms of not ending up in the best player list that often, but just absolutely essential. And the thing about this Barcelona team that scares me, actually, is that they're disrespected right? They are like, you know, all those, like those big lists come out and they're like not in it. And they, they have these comments. It's normally, it's normally something like Graham Hansen. Who's like, Graham Hansen's like, we know what this is. Yeah. I mean, Caroline Graham Hansen signing for Barcelona was such a transformative signing. And it's like, <laughs> she's on people, smoke all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If she was, if Caroline Graham Hansen was playing in the women's super league, she'd be way more hyped. Yeah, oh, because there question. is just this yeah. like super league focus at the moment, especially when you have a side like Barcelona dominating their league. Mm. It kind of happened with those great Wolfsburg ties in the Frauen Bundesliga Definitely, as well. So, yeah. much, so, much, so, many of, so many players from those sides over a sustained period of time got completely ignored because they were just completely dominant on a domestic level. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny, um, Tim Stillman- Dominance uh, breeds disrespect. Yes, How about that for a fucking tagline? <laughs> well, Tim Have Stillman that. did a great thing. He talked about, um, he sent a great tweet about Viv Miedemar and saying, difficult to see a player, you know, players are so accomplished as a nine, as a 10. Mm. And obviously like prior to injury, pre-injury, Alex Pop was like that. Like someone who, Pop could run a game from centre mid, left back, <laughs> left 10, back. 9. Yeah, from left back with running games. Like, you know, Champions Total League football, winners. man. Yeah. And it's, that was the thing, you know, the German league, like you say, completely rightly, like slightly disrespected. So when, when the late stages of the Champions League come along, it's on. And look, judging by the last knockout, I mean, the last Champions League is a, is a straight classic, the last knockouts. So this Dude, I'm going, to, I'm going to Arsenal Wolfsburg at the Emirates and I'm so excited. Oh, and mate, I don't think I'm in the country for the home leg, actually, sadly. No. But oh. if, we're, if we're both in Germany for the away leg, we should try and go to Wolfsburg. Of course, of course, with that yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, that question. You're going to stay at your, the best hotel you've ever stayed at in Wolfsburg? Oh, I don't like to mention that. <laughs> no, of course <laughs> oh, should I mention? Should I mention it? No, uh, no please don't. <laughs> uh, anyway, con- congratulations to Barca. One down, a couple more to go. And uh, yeah, they're going into the Champions League again. Looking very, very strong. Mm. Very quickly, just shout out the Frauen Bundesliga wins for the top four this weekend. Mm. I mean, that title race is still on big time and also the race for the final Champions League spot. Uh, Bayern are out in front at the moment, two points clear of Wolfsburg, who have a game in hand, uh, which I believe is against Sand, mm. which you would expect them to put away. Although Sand are on a little bit of a a little bit of a renaissance run at the moment. They beat Bayer Leverkusen 2-1 on the weekend. Before that, they beat Carlos Siena uh, 4-1 away. So six of their eight points have come in the last two fixtures. So maybe it won't be as easy for Wolfsburg as it looks on paper, even though they're, they're 30 points clear in the league from Sand. The race for the final Champions League spot is separated by three points at the moment. So that's a, mm. another, another one to keep your eye out for. Quickly in the men's Bundesliga, Bayern are on a bit of a patchy run at form at the moment. They drew with Hoffenheim away on Saturday, one all. And very low strength Dortmund capitalised on that by scraping through against Armenia Bielefeld. They have closed the gap on Bayern to seven points. They have a game in hand. Bayern and Dortmund have to play again. Everyone is pretending that there is a title race on in Germany. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's doing their best. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't feel like there is. Mm. Bit of breathing room for Dortmund though, because Leverkusen lost the derby to Köln in Leverkusen. Really sad thing from this was that Florian Wirtz was stretched off and 
the news came out that he has a cruciate ligament injury and will be out for the rest of the season. One of the bright young stars in the Bundesliga. I just really hope that this doesn't derail what has so far been looking like a superstar in the making. Yeah. I mean, Florian Wirtz could legit be one of the top five players in the world in three or four years. Like he is that good. I yeah. genuinely think he's, he's amazing. That good. No, he's amazing. He's like pure potential wise. Like he is up there. I'm going to say top 10 to be safe, but he, yeah. he has the, the absolute upper ceiling of what he could be. Yeah. If you look at where people are in their careers at the moment and who are coming to the end of their careers and the, you know, if you look at like Lewandowski, Neymar, yes. uh, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, all of these players are in their 30s. Mm. Mbappe and, and Holland are the clear two that look set to take over that. I love that. I, I, love the, I love this point you're making. Which club would he have to go to to become one of those players? Where was the fit? Because I mean, in terms, you know, the only reason I ask that is not a trap question. It's more I like- mean, he's, a Bar- he's a Barcelona player. For yeah, like in terms Javi of his fit, you know, in terms of the fit. He's one of those players that I think Pep would really want at Man City. Mm. He would fit into the Pep system. Yes. Oh, that question. That question. Yeah. However, I think for him personally, mm. I think he would get more shine as an individual mm. by going somewhere like Barcelona. And then you add another unbelievably dynamic young piece into that already pretty young front five, apart from the old exciting. guys who are yeah. who are kind of uh, still delivering. Though, you know, like for example, if they don't sign Adama Traore, yeah. To a permanent contract, which I'm leaning towards that they probably won't. Someone from Usman's camp got to reach out to Barca because that has to. That man has to stay there. That man is on smoke at the moment. Other notable results: a great win for Freiburg. They beat Wolfsburg three two to remain level on points with Leipzig, and the defeat for Leverkusen means that uh, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, Leipzig, and Leverkusen all pushing for the final two Champions League spots, are separated by just a point. But the main story of the weekend... Yes. This club. Tafun Korkut was relieved of his duties at Hertha BSC. It was a really strange appointment in the first place. And I don't think it's a huge surprise. They have replaced him with Felix Magat, which also shows to just how little joined up thinking there has, there has been at Hertha since Lars Vindhorst has been investing in the club. They've spent a hell of a lot of money. They had at one point the most expensive bench in the Bundesliga and they've gone backwards. I think if they're not careful, they will drop out of this league. And if you, we've seen how, how difficult it can be for, for clubs to get back into the Bundesliga from that Zweite Bundesliga, which is a really, really good league. That is not a team that looks like it's going to return quickly, Hertha. We'll put it this way, when Haasfau went down, I think Haasfau, despite being in a mess when they went down, they were in a better position to bounce back up than Hertha are, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Felix McGat, I don't think, has managed a club in five years. And, I mean, unless he's just going to get him running up and down those steps at the Olympiastadion for the rest of the... It was like, oh, did you, did you see a complete side point? But shouts I mean, to... I like it for the optics, but anyway, carry Shouts on. to the legend, Greg Popovich, who became the all-time... Most wins. Uh, winning, most wins. Winningest, they call NBA it winningest. History, the winningest coach in NBA history. And afterwards, Dejounte uh, Murray gave him like a basketball and was just like, did a speech in the dressing room. And then they all just showered him with water, completely drenched Pop. I posted the thing on Instagram, the, the, the reel from it. And Pop was just like, all right, tomorrow in practice, instead of a shoot around, we're running suicide. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it actually got me, it made me really emotional seeing that video. It's beautiful. Pop's just, I mean, we, we're huge, 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 huge Pop fans here. Yeah, he's been an incredible journey. Though. I don't think for morale, hiring Felix Magat to try and keep you in the league at the moment is maybe the best shout. However, Hertha just need to stay in the division. We'll see. That's the Bundesliga. Um, there's a title race in Serie A, Musa. There absolutely is. Look, I mean... For me, the headline result, um, well, there's two headline results, Milan um, over Empoli, a great goal from Pierre Kalulu, who is, look, those who don't watch Milan re- uh, regularly, Kalulu is someone who really has forced his way into contention and is just an excellent centre-back, really enterprising, great finish, early goal, the winner there um, for Milan against Empoli. Inter. Could have been worse for Inter, man. Could and should have been worse. A very, <laughs> very, very late equaliser for them at the weekend. And... I suppose the big story for me, though, the big performance for me is Victor Ossiman scoring twice away at Verona as Napoli win 2-1. And Ossiman's an interesting one because he was out with injury and you really saw the absence. 
Yeah. And I think I mentioned before how I think Napoli are kind of caught between two stools where they've got the kind of older guard who've been really great productively as playmakers, but they all mostly to make that transition quick. And awesome is so much the future of that the forward line, but his presence was outstanding the other day. Um, he's great, man. Yeah, he's a great player. Um, yeah, great player. Uh, yeah. We have also some Stadio's honorary president, sedentary Gary. Lifelong honorary president. Lifelong president. He asked if it was still too late for Juventus to seriously challenge for the title. Absolutely not, Gary. Absolutely not too late. Um, just the way the league is shaping up. And the way that those teams, they're really, really tough to break down. The teams like lower mm-hmm. down the order. So yeah, like Verona, winning, winning a game at Verona is, is a big deal for Napoli, especially the form they've been on recently. I mean, massively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we were so close to being treated to another spitting Cobra moment, but um, Pellegrini salvaged a point for Roma <laughs> in stoppage time at the end of the game against Udinese. In France, multiple PSG players were booed by their home fans after a statement that was released heavily criticising the club. And to be honest, I think PSG fans, we've mentioned this a few times before about how critical they are of club operations despite mm. all of the success. And I think they absolutely they deserve quite a lot of credit for that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mbappe and Hakimi, I think, from what I saw of it, seem to be the only two who escaped it. But um, yeah, 3 0 win over Bordeaux. The game was itself wasn't great at all, but it's not a happy camp at the moment. There's a lot of drama going on. The booing of Neymar and Messi. I mean, it was felt like Messi got a hell of a lot, but the most was Neymar without question. Neymar got the absolute bulk of it. Um, yes. The statement referring to, I think you pointed out in the statement, it referred to you're seen more at fa- uh, uh, Fashion Week than you are with the representatives of the club that you play for. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's difficult to imagine Neymar doing much outreach to the PSG supporters group, to be fair. Uh, so it's a plaything at executive level, mm. but it's not a plaything for the fans. No, exactly. The fans don't give a fuck about Jordan streetwear. They have one of the most iconic shirt designs in world football that has been abandoned for marketing purposes. They acknowledge this in the statement as well. Ironically enough, because aesthetics shouldn't be that important. Ironically enough, when you shatter the look of a club to make a break with the past, all kinds of terrible unintended consequences come out of that. You look Imagine at like, if Sampdoria came out in a plain blue shirt. Oh, right. you, there would be uproar. No, if Fiorentina started playing in yellow. Well, yeah. Because it's so, when you are making that, it's almost an act of contempt. When you're shattering that connection, it's almost an act of contempt. The thing about PSG was really interesting. I was something I've never seen before. The goal by Neymar, we talk about angry, angry goals on Stadio. That Dude. tap, and he thrashes it into the net and I've never seen I've never seen a player jeered in the act of scoring by his own fans. I've never seen it before. And here's the thing. I've never so completely <clears throat> understood. Yeah. I've never so completely understood because what I think we're really seeing with, and we won't dwell too much on this because we've done this in other episodes, but the cost of the pact. This is the cost of the pact. You have the world's most expensive footballer of all time. And you have the world's, in my opinion, greatest player of all time. And both were booed with every touch. And here's the thing. I completely understood it. It's so wild. It's wild, isn't it? Isn't that an an extraordinary thing to actually be able to say Mm. in a season of football? Yeah. Um, Holy moly. Yeah. Let's go to La Liga. Yeah. Barca are ticking along nicely. Watching them is such a pleasure. I, I genuinely, when I see them like on the Sunday evening, I'm like, that's guaranteed to be entertaining. I'll see something yeah, there. Yeah, that's fun again. Yeah, so much fun. Imagine if someone said to you, you would enjoy watching a post-Messi Barcelona this much so soon. No way. Fair play. Yeah. And when I say, I say as well, so it's 4-0, uh, they beat Osasuna. Two outstanding performances here. The first is Mendembele, just extraordinary opening stages. Barcelona were just outstanding, uh, dominant, and just really made, um, made them pay. But I'm so happy for Ferran Torres because mm. I just, I, I honestly just believe he's a player who is just a little injection of confidence away from becoming a volume goal scorer, a volume yeah. goal scorer over the long term. That's why he was bought, I think. And I think that's what he'll become for them. So he got two goals, really good penalty and a really nice finish. Wins for Betis, Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid, as well as Barcelona means that from third to sixth is as you were. Put Villarreal in that as well, obviously. They, they beat uh, Salto Vigo 1-0 on the weekend. 
severe drop points against Rio Vallecano. Uh, we had a question about Rio Vallecano. Let me find it. Uh, from Ross Dickinson, what's happened to Rio? They've plummeted down the league table. To think, uh, to, be, to be honest, I think they've just normalised. They were mm. massively overperforming, and they were doing, <laughs> they were doing incredible considering they just come up. Mm. As other teams have clicked into gear, they have started to normalise a little bit. Now I know that their run of form is extremely poor. They haven't won a game for a long, long time. But maybe the plummet has been a little bit extreme. But I think, for example, if things had been a little bit more steady through the season, and you looked at Rio in thirteenth. In March, I don't think you would be like, this is a disaster Mm. by any means. Because their priority is to stay in the league. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Should we go to the Premier League? Let's do it. Okay, some notable results. Liverpool being Brian 2-0 at Brighton. A goal from Luis Diaz. He got absolutely clattered in it by Sanchez. Let's have a quick question from Graham Coughlin, who said, can we talk a little bit about Luis Diaz? He's settled into life at Liverpool like he's been there for years. Given Klopp's propensity to slowly work players into his squad, I, for one, have been very impressed. We have two. When he signed, we said, can you think of a more Liverpool player to sign in January than Luis Diaz? It's a, it's a superb signing and I'm really happy for him and for the fit that he's managed at Liverpool. Uh, it's really exciting for them. A more Liverpool player. Um, I mean, I couldn't think of one. He was so ta- he was so ta- tailor-made just to be put into that squad. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say... Maybe, that, maybe he's a little bit more dribbly. I would say Dennis Zakaria is the only other one I would say who was in a similar vein who would go into Liverpool team and give you slightly different options. So yeah, I would say Dennis Zakaria would be the only other one that I could put in there. The way he's playing now at Juventus, for example, would just go in and I think would instantly be a fan favourite, galvanise it. And also he'd be playing in a three, which mm. I think would give the extra cover so he could just indulge more of the attacking side of his game. But yeah, but Luis Diaz has been, it's been superb. Do you think Sanchez should have been booked or sent off for the tackle? I'm torn actually that this weekend there were a lot of... There was a lot of naughtiness going on. There was, there was, weekend, there, there, there was, there was, there was. Um, I tend to be less card happy to be honest. I think because they got the goal, I thought a booking would have been sensible because at least it's almost like a gesture. Yeah, okay. You've got that. the goal. 
He didn't stop an opportunity. Mm. You would play advantage if that was anywhere else on the field, if a ball had gone to a Liverpool player and you would have come back and probably booked the guy. Yeah. So I think maybe a booking would have been better. Kind of like everyone's happy. We got the goal. You got the booking. Uh, and then Mo Salah with a penalty to steal it for Liverpool. Brentford got a lovely win over Burnley thanks to two late goals from Ivan Tony, one of which was from the penalty spot. The first was from a Christian Eriksen assist. Yeah. He's back. He's and back. the second, the second was supplied by his through ball. Yeah. He held his own from his through ball. And Ivan Tony has had obviously um, <laughs> an interesting couple of months. Um, <laughs> he had an eventful winter break. But since then, he's, since he's then, the man has, man. The man looked, his productivity actually has increased in terms of being prolific. What did you say last week? Ivan Atonement. Ivan Atonement, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ivan um, Atonement, but he's doing it. Like two vital goals again. Mm. Brentford are eight points clear of that relegation zone. I think they'll be fine now. I think they'll be fine. Do you know, I, I love that they added Ericsson. I love the idea of adding an attacking player. It's, it's counterintuitive actually, isn't it? It's counterintuitive to add an attacking Big, player yeah, when, you're, when you're plummeting. Yeah, I love that. It's this, like, is, this, is why, this is why Pep keeps Watford up. Do you know why? Because when you're playing in a relegation scrap, right, the one thing you need to do is play with bravery. We've seen it yeah. time, and it's, it's so counterintuitive. It's so difficult because it's so easy to just sit and like go on the counter. But actually, mm. if you open up and go for it, because it's, it's, it's a volume of goal scoring, it's productivity that gets you over the line in the end. Mm. Yeah. Chelsea beat Newcastle 1-0. A lovely goal from Kai Havertz late on. The touch was incredible. But I think Newcastle can be extremely disappointed. They should have had a penalty, I think. Yeah. Havertz was great all game. Should he have been on the pitch? Yes, I think so. He gave Dan Burn a big old whack, though. Again, like, there was a lot of this going around this weekend, and I'm inclined to be lenient. Put it this way, I think if Kai Harvitz had been sent off, I would have been like, yeah, I kind of get it. Just to clarify, he's definitely not done that intentionally at all. But I don't think intent really matters in this scenario. You've, you've kind of had a running jump on someone, led with your arm, and caught the guy clean with your elbow. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I can understand both perspectives. If, it, if a straight red was given for this, I get it. Because also- are you, uh, are you, Is Mesut Wonga going into- Ryan Hunmode. We need to- We need- No. See both sides. Excuse me, Ryan Hunmode. <laughs> are you calling me a fucking centrist? <laughs> that word. That- Fuck you. <laughs> I wonder if he folded that as the ref into like the kind of general context of- bullish centre-forward, centre-back play. I, I think personally it was a dangerous elbow. It was, yeah. But in the context of the game, I just, you know, sometimes you wonder, when you see like these big decisions, the flashpoint decisions not given, you wonder if there's so much noise surrounding the game, the ref has made a decision to actually calm things down. Oh, well, boy, oh boy, was there some noise around this, this is, game. No, we, for obvious reasons that you know what the context is. But what I will say is, there are just times when you see certain decisions and they're given mm. or they're not given and you almost wonder if the ref is like, I'm not going to give a decision like that in a game like this. Do you know, you, you see it so many times, like, you know, how many times you've seen like Chelsea, Liverpool at Anfield and a tackle will fly in in the first 10 minutes and you're like, it will just kick off if you go for it. And the ref is just like, no, no, play on, like almost. That's a robust, a robust <laughs> like, collision. Like when kids fall over and they look to you for your reaction, if you don't do anything, they don't cry. Bingo. And then maybe it fitted into, <laughs> the only way I can explain that, yes, yes. Grown men do the same thing. Oh, the psychology is this brilliant analogy. And there's certain times when I see these decisions, big decisions not given. It's almost like they've made it, they've, they've made a decision prior to the game. Mm. I'm not going to give X, Y, Z. And I'll stick to that. And unless it's egregious, as opposed to merely reckless as a, if, unless it's if it's reckless I won't give it but if it's dangerous if it's if it's intent then I'll go for it um the off the field stuff I think has been covered so heavily this weekend mm. I don't think we have anything to add to it to be honest no I don't think we do no for two and a half years we've been doing this right and we have made our thoughts on club ownership clear pretty much since the beginning I think the first time we stepped into that territory was when we did one around Manchester City's I think we're only a couple of months in and we did something about Manchester City's financial fair play ruling. On that note, actually, the person that I so often use as our barometer of whether we get the Man City stuff right is yeah. Dan Burke from One Football, who's launched a Man City newsletter. So, Oh, congratulations, Dan. Congratulations. I quote tweeted it. Check my Twitter out. And uh, if you're a Man City fan, go and sign up for Dan's newsletter. Oh, fantastic. But I mean, it's grim all round. We know that we shouldn't have got here. The toothpaste is so far out of the tube. Yes. I don't know how you undo the damage that is already done. I think you can do it. 
um, I think it's going to take a lot of time. And as we so often say with solutions to many of football's problems, you cannot undo it overnight. No. You have to acknowledge that this is going to be a process. Mm. You can make certain changes in terms of stopping it happening again, but you have to undo the damage that's been done. The Premier League has got itself into a situation of its own making. Mm. And I feel sympathy with fans who are now having to front up to questions that they maybe didn't want to answer, but also I think there's enough evidence out there now. And this is why Dan is so great for Man City stuff, because he is really, really able as a Man City fan to be like, I've really loved all the success we've had. It's been amazing to see the football we've had. If tougher restrictions on ownership means that the Manchester City ownership is taken away, fine by me. Well, because this is the thing, because here's the thing, a club is a community, it's an institution and these clubs are around for a long time. And the reason why Manchester City were approached and Chelsea and Newcastle is because they're great clubs and great institutions. Who would not want to be be associated with these institutions? As a buyer coming from, uh, let's say, a different context where you want to quickly get some kudos and some street cred. It's like sucking up to the cool kids at uni or whatever. Like it's, that's just, it's the same dynamic. And so, you know, Ian, you know, talked about this on, um, on Match the Day, shout out to him about, mm. you know, what these clubs are, these institutions. So if this really enables a greater conversation, not only among fans, but also like within the corridors of the Premier League, because quite frankly, they've been very, very notable for their silence. You know, in weeks where you have people coming out talking about, uh, like, you know, what about the, the human rights abuses of this state or that state? Premier League footballers and managers are on the spot much more than executives of the Premier League. And it's the executives of the Premier League. How many times have we fucking said this? Listen, a thousand times. And it's, it's just so interesting who goes to ground. The thing that I hate about this, and this is where I, th- and, and this is me being a massive football idealist. I absolutely hated two sets of fans from clubs who are under ownership that is heavily in the spotlight. One is obviously coming to an end. One is just beginning. Mm. They're different ownership and they deserve critiquing in different ways because they are not the same. It's this kind of like one-upmanship, we're richer than you, you're done, it's our time now. Saudi flags being shown in the away end. And it's like, actually, this isn't a time for one-upmanship because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you as a fan. It's bigger than than one single club as an institution. Mm. It's change that is needed that will affect all clubs for the better in the long term if it is handled right. Now, I understand that there are many layers to that that need Mm. to, or many checkpoints that need to be passed for it to work. But the great thing about the Super League fiasco was that all fans were united on it. Mm. And I do think that it would be really great if all fans were united on club ownership. But I understand that that is something that is deeply unrealistic in the very, very toxic element of football fandom tribalism. Yeah. Which is of course why these, it's why these owners approach clubs like yes. this. They just, any but, football club, it's just why, it's why they do that because they, they play into that. Absolutely. We've said many, many times about fans and how they shouldn't be put in a position where they are having to defend the club ownership because the owners that they are there to defend, which comes from their tribalism as fans to, and their love of the club, right? Yeah. It shouldn't have been allowed to get that far in the first place. No. And that isn't directed at any one fan group. Mm. The thing that I think my patience is running thin on is that it really isn't that difficult to break that apart anymore. No, it's not. It's not. And no one is going to think you're less of a fan if you are able to deal with that complexity. Now, I understand that for years and years and years, fans haven't been able to deal with that complexity. Haven't had to. They haven't had to. And they shouldn't have been asked to, if we're being frank. But now they are. And I don't know. There is just so much noise around football at the moment that is so deeply grim. Mm. It should never have got to this point and the people who have allowed to get it to this point are nowhere to be seen or heard. Yeah. Oh, this is it's actually, it's funny. This is exactly what I'm writing about. It's so funny you should mention this. This is exactly the article I'm writing for The Ringer about the three key silences around the Chelsea situation. The first silence is from Abramovich himself, who's barely spoken in public and he's been silent for most of the last few years. The second silence has been from his friends because this man for 20 years was, you know, central to, to life in London, but also football. And like, how vocal are his, his former friends now? Very few. Like, you know, John Terry is in the box at Stamford Bridge. But if you think about that's interesting because you can name, can't you, the specific people that support him in the public eye. So his friends, 
but the biggest silence of all, the third and the key silence in all of this is the Premier League silence. Yep. It's absolutely them. You know, who is entitled to own clubs and when? Facts same, and Shinawatra. It's, 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 it's the yeah. same with, yeah, yeah. Shinawatra is a major example Facts and Shinawatra yeah. was accused of extrajudicial executions of drug dealers. Extrajudicial executions of drug dealers when he took charge at Manchester City. And those cases were pending, the litigation was pending, and the man was allowed to take over. It's extraordinary that was allowed to happen. That's just one example. The Shinawatra was such an extraordinary, because it was even more brazen with Abramovich. There were rumours, there were questions, there were concerns. There was so much little, there was there's so much, and I, I say that as someone that worked in, you know, the corporate world around that time, the legal world in around that time. So there were stories here and there. There were stories here and there. But Shinawatra, there was so much more that was actually out in the public domain at the mm. time. This was known, right? The final thing I want to say on that in relation to when looking at these organizations, the ownership and critiquing certain aspects, one thing you can really do, and I've seen this with Ukraine, there are critics from within these countries saying absolutely vital things. If you're, if you're concerned about something happening in a particular country with a certain ownership, you don't have to go and form theories about the ownership yourself. You can simply listen to the people who are resisting the abuses in those countries themselves. Mm. You can simply do that. And I'm not saying listeners to this podcast don't do that already. I'm just saying that something I've seen so much in relation to Ukraine is so many people who will see what's happening, but not quote a single Ukrainian doing work to resist. Mm. You know, just please listen to those at the center of it. And that's how we get some way towards a better, I suppose, settlement. That's that on that. Anyway, Premier League, we should probably, <laughs> there's a bit more to discuss, isn't there? Because there was action in the Premier League. We're going to talk about Arsenal and Righty's House. Okay. Because we're going to also look ahead to the Liverpool game. So we'll save the Arsenal stuff for Righty's House because it was, it was fun. Mm. Let's talk about Manchester United. Well, before we talk about Manchester United Spurs, let's big up Jesse Marsh. You've got a really good win for Leeds. We talked about Watford already. They beat Southampton 2-1. That's a great result for Watford. A great result for West Ham beating Villa 2-1. And uh, Yarmolenko with a really, really wonderful moment. Actually, it was, it was lovely. He it was his, he scored, and there was even the Villa fans were applauding. There you go, football unity. He's been bold, Yarmolenko, in recent uh, days as well. Coming out with a video saying, "Look, I, I know a lot of you that play for the Russian national team. Why aren't you speaking?" Like really, really, you know, powerful. And again, a position that it's brutal to be in, but he's handling it with so much grace and class yeah. and it's not easy. It's not easy no, at all. Not. Um, Everton lost 1-0 at home to Wolves and um, they continue to struggle. I really, really worry about it. And we've got a couple of questions so we should probably move on. No, oh, we haven't talked about Man United Spurs. Yes. Good win for Manchester United. Excellent win. Manchester United 3, Tottenham Hotspur 2. And Cristiano Ronaldo, was it a perfect hat-trick? It wasn't because he scored two with his right foot and one uh, with my his. Bad, yeah. I can't remember if you. But it was very much a kind of throwback um, hat trick. It was, it was the kind of hat trick he used to score against teams like Atleti, where he wouldn't have actually that much of the ball, which is mm. absolutely uh, clinical. And, you know, in this game, they surrounded him with a good amount of speed. You had Pogba as the 10, although Pogba's game was abject. Um, a voluntary ball Pogba, though. Someone made a good point though. Is it Nick Wigmore on Twitter? He said, look, Pogba, everyone complains about his haircut. He goes bald and then drops a two out of 10. You know, like he had a bad game. <laughs> you know, he did not, he was not his best. Um, I expected him to be like Kung Fu kicking people when he came out bald. I was just like. <laughs> yeah, he went all in. Um, so, I mean, so Sancho and Rashford either side of Pogba and then Ronaldo up top. And that is a configuration that worked for him. I think what he had five attempts on target and scored three. And they were all in their own way, you know, really impressive pieces of movement and finishing. Yeah. The first is no matter how limited Ronaldo's game is compared to what he used to be, um, if you give him a couple of yards outside the box. You're beating Hugo Lloris from there. As long as it's not a free kick, he will ping one. You're in. beating him from there. That's a serious, yeah. yeah. That's a serious. Also though, a slight critis criticism of Lloris went with his left hand instead of his right. And I think that, that, I think that cost him a few centimetres. Right, I'm not right. saying he necessarily saves it because I'm, mm. It was a great strike and it was extremely it was well moving. placed. Yeah, it was moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if he goes with his if he goes with his right hand, I think he gives himself a much better opportunity to either claw that around the post or onto the bar or something like that. When he goes with his left, because mm. he wasn't too far away with his left, so it means no, no, know, not at all, not at all. I mean, that's, I'm doing the demonstration for Musa right now. Exactly. 
yeah, so it was not, not, a, not a great piece of goalkeeping, I suppose, but Ronaldo now with 12 Premier League goals, I think. Um, other bright spots in this uh, very strong performance from Fred. And you see Fred in games like this and you think, see, that's the player that Pep was desperate to get. Mm. Well, desperate or extremely keen to get, certainly. And you see now, and actually, you can imagine actually Fred in a Pep Guardiola system doing something really quite impressive in wide areas, um, you know, either side of a striker or in a midfield. You can see him doing that, actually. Like, there's really good aspects to this game. And we've seen, like, you know, Fred playing for Brazil is a different proposition, but Rangnick is bringing Fred closer to the player that he was bought to be. Mm. Rangnick's been criticised a fair bit, actually, but... I think a bit unfairly. Yeah, I think so. I, I, like, I actually quite like a lot of what he's done, to be honest. I like a lot of what he's done. He has shifted the pack really, really well. He yeah. reminds me a bit of uh, Pioli at Milan. When you come in and you're given a job and you don't really curry favour, you're picking players depending on what you feel they can give you as opposed to the reputation. So again, like Pioli leaving Zlatan on the bench and starting Giroud up top and they get the win over Empoli. Rangnick being bold and leaving out uh, Ronaldo in, in big games this year with mixed results, but still the guts to actually do what he thinks is right for the team as a whole. But yeah, credit to Rangnick for this victory. Um, Spurs showed some signs of life. Great penalty from Kane. But do you think Manchester United should have got a penalty as well? Uh, it was quite similar, wasn't it? Incident. Yeah. I, although it's weird because, because they won. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. 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 Hey, everyone won the game. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I still think, to be honest, United, won't have enough to hold off Arsenal the way Arsenal are playing now. We'll see. That Man United-Arsenal game is going to be... Uh, it's important, isn't it? Any concern for Spurs? I mean, I think Spurs had enough to actually get a point. I don't think a point would have been hugely unfair. Just, I mean, they're in transition. Like, this stuff just takes time. There's just more to fix. There's more to fix at Spurs than maybe a lot of people initially envisaged. But they're kind of where they should be. Yeah, last six games in all comps. One, last, one, last, one, last. Um, yeah, Harry Maguire own goal in this game as well, which was, I, did you know what? There's, there's a certain sub, uh, like sub-drama of goal that you're just like, as soon as it happens, you're just like, oh no. But again, much like Manchester United's penalty shout, it didn't matter. I mean, to be honest though, players score own goals like that all the time. Michael Keane had one for Everton last week. Those own goals happen all the time from centre-backs. It's yeah. nothing to do with... It's, I mean, yeah, he probably could have been... They could have probably dealt with it a little bit better. Like in the derby, there were some moments in the box where they were just a bit hectic. Yeah. But I think the actual own goal itself, I don't think is massively... Definition, though, the worst ball to deal with. Driven yeah, across the box. Everyone prefers, of course. Massive cliche, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do some questions. Let's do it. Ursus Arctos. Said two words, Felix Magat, question mark. We've talked about Felix Magat, but yes. yes. Yeah. Um, the problem is you look at the Felix Magat appointment, I just think, what's the decision-making process here? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If it does, fair play, but I just don't think it is. All right. Kieran Williams said, if you guys were going to be parachuted into any club to manage tomorrow, who would it be and why? I like this question. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I'm, I'm sounding like such... I'll, it's because I, I think that would imply that whoever was there was doing such a radically bad job. No, no, no. Just, I think, who would you like to manage? Who would like to manage? Yeah. Oh, Napoli. Absolutely. I think that's it. You know, who, if you're going to be parachuted in. Oh, Napoli. Absolutely. Napoli. Because I've thought the most about what I would like to see Napoli do and just give all the responsibility to the young playmakers and let them go for it. I think that would be it. <laughs> You can't say I'm not on brand. How about yourself? Uh, who would mine be? Hmm. It's a good question. Ah, fuck it, Betis. Ha <laughs> ha, there he is. Why not? There he is. Why not? <laughs> why not? Just, why not? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why, I mean, why not? That is my reason why. <laughs> Um, this one from Very Lucy Jane, who says, John Pickford is part of Southgate's England team nucleus, but if Everton are relegated, his position will be called further into question. Could Southgate risk messing with a stable nucleus only months before the World Cup? And should Everton go down, will he bring in Ramsdale? Brendan Rodgers, after the Arsenal game, said uh, that Ramsdale was the best English goalkeeper around at the moment. I think he's right. But also, 
I don't think the decision will be made on whether Everton go down or not because I no, think that loyal. that's actually but, but also I don't think we've seen before that I don't think that's actually affected goalkeeper choices for the England squad and also nor should it because if we look at what Southgate has done look at the faith he showed in Raheem Sterling who'd been sidelined for ages hadn't played any kind of football let alone Championship or Premier League had played very little and came in and started the Euros it's still what I think is one of the underrated tournament performances but that's another story look if Pickford went down with Everton, which I think is still unlikely at this point. If Pickford did go down with Everton, we know that Southgate backs his players and also the championship, frankly, he'll have a lot of experience of shot stopping because that league is hectic. Mm. He might get actually a better standard. He might work more on the types of things he'll be facing at international level in the championship. Playing out from like the back. Pick, Pickford does a year in the championship and then he ends up at Barca. He'll come out hench from that. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Barca's the kind, you know what? That's the kind of place I could imagine Chavi sending a young keeper on loan. Championship well, club for a season. Oh, well, championship yeah. club for a season. And be like, play out from the back in that. Because if you can play out the back against that press, you can do it anywhere. There you go. A year of coming to claim the ball in the championship in a crowded penalty area and playing out from the back against that press. You can do it against anyone. Emily Oram says, given how the season is now going, how excited are you for Arsenal all or nothing? I'm still not excited about it yet. We'll see. Ask me again in the end of May. <laughs> I'm always, I'm, ambiv- I'm deeply ambivalent about football clubs turning themselves into reality TV. Yeah, me too. Even the very best ones. I just think there's a certain, it affects the mystique of the club in ways that I think are unhealthy, actually. Yeah, I agree. I think getting access is really interesting as we've seen with like Drive to Survive, but also I actually prefer it more when it's quite boring and you're just seeing behind the scenes stuff. Like with the Spurs one, for example, the introduction of Mourinho and him going like full godfather in like episode two when he's talking about I had to sacrifice Winks for the sake of the family and all of this kind of shit. It's like, yeah, it's funny, but I actually just want to see the inner workings of a football club properly, which you're not actually going to really see that much. The because- stuff with Ndombele was quite prescient, actually. Yeah. Ndombele and like Deli Ali was like, when you saw that, you were like, whoa, because that was, mm. it turns out that was absolutely real. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. But yeah, I don't know about the Arsenal thing. I mean, to be honest, we'll see. What Wrighty said on Match of the Day about Mikel Arteta, about getting rid of the noise at Arsenal, I think has been one of his biggest achievements so far because there was a hell of a lot of noise around that football club. I'm just a little bit worried about them dropping a series that is going to create some noise. A quiet Arsenal is the best Arsenal. Exactly. And that's, and not, that's right not a joke now. on the stadium either. Yeah. And right now, no, right now Arsenal are they're quiet in the best way. Things are working. Like yeah. the departure of Aubameyang has worked really well. It's one of those, one of those rare moves that works out perfectly for Most both perfect, player yeah. and club. Yeah, yeah. All right. Isaac Elizondo said, serious question, what's the best destination for Poch? Have to be thinking the situation in Paris is getting toxic. My first thought was Juve actually now, because when Juve, in, when he was originally linked with Juve, mm. it was before Pirlo came in. Mm. And we said, do you remember when we said, why would you go somewhere now where your margin for error is so small and it is in danger of tarnishing your reputation? Mm. And then he went and did the PSG move, which I think we said the same thing for. And we said actually at the time, we would have loved to see him at somewhere like Dortmund because it would have been a little bit more suited. There are certain managers like Poch and I think Hasenhutler is in this as well, that not every big club is a good fit. And PSG was just a dreadful fit for Poch. Yes. I actually think now... Juve would make a little bit more sense than it did back then. Also the type of player, the profile of player they have works for Poch really well. Yeah. The competitive nature of the league works well for Poch because it'll keep it interesting for him on a coaching level. And the intensity, the intensity, you know, you get the intensity of Ligue 1, but then you have, like I would say, a higher technical level. I think it would be a really exciting move. And it would kind of take him off the kind of like the Premier League radar and all the rest of it. And just, yeah, I just think it's a better, it's a better look for him. Juve, I like that. The other one was if Simeone went, then Atleti. Oh yeah, it's absolutely such an Atleti. Yeah. But yeah, I can't see that happening. That'd be really fun though. Oh yeah, of course. Childish Rakino. I love Ricky Holson Pooch and I'd love for him to stay at Barcelona, but where should he go to get regular minutes? Do you know what my first thought for this question was? Betis. No, Leeds United. Okay, no, no, I see that. I see that. And I don't know why, but my first, my first thought was, Somewhere like Leeds in the Premier League would be super fun. Or, or do you know where else would be great? Is Brentford. 
I, oh my goodness, okay. I would, re- I prefer him at Leeds because I think that at Leeds, the expectation would be lower. So he could oh, come in. Yeah, yeah, it would because what have they got? They've got at Leeds, they've got playmakers. They've got people that can carry, progress the ball. They've got people who can combine very well. They've got pace. They've got people who can all do a little bit of what Ricky Pooch does already. And they've got that tradition of like, you know, players go from Spain to Leeds and do really, really well. So you've got like a sort of, it'll be a home from home. There's community there and it's a family club. It's a community club. If he went to Brentford from Barcelona, he'd be immediately looked to as, a, as rightly so, as, as a kind of saviour, given the, tra- the, the pedigree. Like, oh, you've trained with Pedri and Gavi and like you're the next in line. That pressure is maybe too much for Pooch to, to develop, whereas at Leeds, he could kind of go in under the radar. Huh. Yeah, Does that make sense? Job. So, so he, he could just ease his way into the squad and then just like slowly start balling out over the course of a few months. I'd also throw Brighton and maybe Leicester in there as well. There's good places for him to develop. I, I was be- watching more of those, uh, that guy's highlights, you know, the new signing for Brighton, Dennis Undav, mm. coming next Plan year. Up. I'm very excited by that signing. Extremely. Um, he's got this really cool celebration for each goal, like the muscle man thing. He does like a pose. Is it? Um, Actually, do you know what? Who'd, uh, Villa would be a, a decent Com- Oh yeah, it's well. great. Villa's great. They yeah. love their playmakers. Hey, shout out to Ramsey at Villa, who's putting in some serious performances. Yeah, I mean, it's just whether he'd actually play. I think, yeah, I think, I think someone like Leeds, he'd get minutes. And the style of play that Bielsa's left behind, but also Marsh is developing on quite nicely. Um, I think Leeds is a great shout. I like that. I'll just go to Ajax. Everyone should go to Ajax. Leeds or Betis. <laughs> it's always Betis. We've gone on quite a while. Should we bounce? Yeah, let's bounce. Is there anything else you want to shout out? Uh, shout out to my Lino, which I'm very happy about. And this is bring me joy. We've already shouted out your Lino. Yeah, but you know, top and tail, you can have a... The complexities of club ownership kitchen floor lino find you a podcast that can do both that can do both absolutely <laughs> all right let's get out of here let's do it uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well uh, wherever you are in the world don't forget to check right's house on wednesday don't forget to check the ringer f1 pod if you are an f1 fan stadio.football scroll to the bottom pop your email address if you want to get our newsletter and the stadio outros playlist on spotify speaking of which we're playing out on east coast love affair don't be afraid anything you want to add Musa nothing further Nothing about Lino. No, no, no. <laughs> I can recommend a good supplier, but that, you know, <laughs> write to me and I'll, I'll supply. <laughs> All right. Much love, everyone. Stay safe. Stay well. We'll be back on Thursday. See you soon.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 